This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 10th, 2017. Gifts, the stocking stuffers. So today we continue our series on gifts. This morning, our focus is on the stocking stuffers. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And welcome home, Bill Trench from Haiti. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Almighty God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word found in Scripture. Use us, Lord, as your mouthpieces and that all of us would feel your presence and your love and be changed and transformed by it. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, amen. amen. So stocking stuffers, this is my stocking. It's looking kind of rough and it got a rip there. You can hardly read the name. It's because I've had it my whole life. It's ripping. As far as I know, as far back as I can remember, huh? Yeah, it's I got to like, get that fixed. It's ripped. Yeah. It's seen a lot of Christmas. It's seen a lot of toys under the tree. Been to a couple of different homes, Jones homes over the years, but it's, it was still hanging up. I took it down this morning. You know, funny thing about these stockings, um, for many of us, it's kind of predictable what's in them, kind of like Fiona. Wasn't that adorable? Wasn't <laughs> she great in the, in the video this morning? In this stocking, there were always three things that I could count on. Now, there were other things, but the three that were givens were my candy cane, the next one, I could always tell by, you can kind of see the outline of the box there. Maybe some of you guys had this too. The Lifesaver book. You know, let me tell you, Lifesaver has gone chintz. Single page for the cover. It used to be a real 10 rolls, remember? Now it's six. It used to be butter rum, mint, cherry, five flavors. All six of these are five flavors. Go figure. Anyway, I guess that's progress, not. And then at the very, very tip, there was always, can you tell what it I is? I heard somebody say it. The official orange. Sometimes it was an apple, often an orange. And you know, I used to wonder why, because fruit was not uncommon in our house. And all I can figure was kind of a throwback to my mother's childhood. My mother grew up on a farm on the eastern shore of Maryland, over in Preston, Maryland. And on the farm, they grew hogs and chickens, and you know, they always had a vegetable garden. So they always had plenty of pork, eggs, chicken, and, and you know, things out of the garden. But fruit, I'm sure, was a treat. You know, it was an absolute treat for them. So, you know, the, 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 the fruit in my stocking was probably my mom's childhood appreciation of the occasional piece of fruit in her life, and that's what ended up in my stocking every, or my, my sister's stocking every year. A lot <laughs> of us have memories of what's in our, what's been in our stockings. Can I, somebody shout something out. What, what did you, socks. Always in your stocking. The what? Okay, socks. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Hair products. One more. Perfume. All right. Yeah. Things oh, I'm that good. we I didn't can hear count any underwear. on. That's good. That's oh. good. That's so, good. 
cheddar cheese. A block of cheddar cheese was always in my stocking. Was because it Kraft? I, it was Kraft. That was my last name. So uh, anyway, I could count on it, and I loved it, and I didn't even have to share it. <laughs> and there are things that, if they weren't there, you would wonder, wow, um, kind of miss it because by them being there, I just sort of took it for granted. And um, they were underachieving gifts, actually, ones that I might not have gotten that excited about, but yet the ones that I could always count on being in there. You know, the Christmas story has some parts to it that are kind of like these stocking stuffers. You know, those aspects of the Christmas story that are always there, yet they're not overly exciting or talked about a lot. There are those pieces of the story that you would miss if they weren't there, and yet we kind of take them for granted when they are. They're, they're those pieces of the story that don't get a lot of attention. We usually don't preach about them a whole lot, the stocking stuffers, so to speak, and yet Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without them. So we're not talking about Mary and Joseph or... Yeah, I mean, or Jesus, of course, because they're the stars of the show, and they each get their own big chunk of Scripture. Um, nor are we talking about the shepherds or the wise men. Um, they're mentioned in one way or another in a lot of Christmas songs. Um, how about the angels? You know, angels we have heard on high uh, hark the herald angels sing. Angels are in all the songs, the first Noel. Um, they get a lot of attention front and center. Unlike stocking stuffers, these are parts of the story that are definitely not taken for granted. But here's a stocking stuffer for you. Part of the story you're probably familiar with because you've heard the story, but one that doesn't usually get a great deal of attention, one that we, I don't think I know any Christmas songs that this part is in, kind of a routine part of the story, and yet a part that's absolutely crucial, a part that would definitely be missed if it wasn't there. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Caesar Augustus the most powerful political leader on earth at that time, the first Roman emperor. It was Caesar who called for this census to be taken, a census of the world as they knew it, the Roman world, the Roman empire. It is a census in which everyone would return to their um, hometown, their town of origin, um, now, Joseph was a descendant of David, King David, and Bethlehem was David's town. And so it would be to Bethlehem that Joseph and his close-to-term pregnant fiance Mary, would travel. You know, for all of his political power, for all the knowledge he possessed, for all the information he had at his disposal, Caesar Augustus had absolutely no idea that he was participating in something far greater than a mere counting of the people when he called for that census, a census through which he could better monitor the people and the taxes that he would be collecting from them. Kind of reminds you of how God works in our lives sometimes, doesn't it, where God is working unbeknownst to us, and oftentimes in spite of us. Little did Caesar know that 
God was using him and this census to participate in the greatest birth of all time, was using him in the census to fulfill a prophecy that it had made some 700 years prior by a man named Micah. Check this out. Micah chapter 5. This is um, a paraphrase, the message. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, <coughs> from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Meanwhile, Israel will be in foster homes until the birth pangs are over and the child is born, and the scattered brothers come back home to the family of Israel. He will stand tall in his shepherd role by God's strength, centered in the majesty of God revealed, and the people will have a good and safe home, for the whole world will hold him in respect, peacemaker of the world. Mm. I love that. So God had shared with the people through this prophet, a prophet is someone who brings God's word, God's message, God's information to the people. And so God shared this through the prophet Micah, that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the savior of the world would come from Bethlehem, David's city, the hometown of the greatest leader, political leader, warrior leader that Israel had ever known, the political savior of the people of Israel. As we shared last week from the first chapter of the book of Luke, when, when the angel Gabriel visited Mary to tell her the good news that she would bring Jesus in the world, the angel visited her in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. Her hometown where they were living at the time was Nazareth, not Bethlehem. Now, we told you last week, you know, we'll give you a little cliffhanger that this was coming. And so in order for this ancient prophecy of Micah to play out, Somehow Mary had to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'm sure she wouldn't have readily chosen that on her own, considering she was near to term with the baby, and it's about an 80-mile journey. So the census took care of it, because you were required by the law, by the emperor, to do this. And so God fulfilled this ancient 700-year-old prophecy through the emperor of Rome, through Caesar, through someone who didn't even believe in God, from someone who thought he himself was the God. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze us, the means by which God fulfills God's promises and God's prophecies. <laughs> That's a great that's a great story. Well, here's another tidbit of a stocking stuffer. And in the case, it's something that we think is in the stocking, something that should be in the stocking, but in reality, we have no evidence that it's in the stocking. So many people believe that Mary rode on a donkey in order to get to Nazareth, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And the truth is, the biblical Christmas story never mentions a donkey. I was like, no, say it isn't so. The donkeys, <laughs> the donkeys mentioned later on when Jesus is working uh, with the disciples, but you won't find one reading the Christmas story. So why do we have this image in our heads? 
Well, perhaps it's every Christmas card depicts Mary um, traveling to Bethlehem on a donkey. Um, why has this been added? We're not sure. But perhaps it's because the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 80 miles about, as Alan said. And that's a pretty long way. It's like from here to BWI. Uh, and wow, I can't imagine. And think about it. Mary's due going to, you know, as far as the Baltimore-Washington International Airport. It just makes me like, oh my goodness, on the verge mm. of childbirth, ladies, remember what it was like. <laughs> How many want to make that journey? Yeah. <laughs> on yeah, foot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we have a soft spot for Mary in our heart <laughs> during this time. So Hallmark kind of took care of some of that. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of crushed me. But all that being said, it's not in the original Christmas story in the Bible. The donkey's an added extra. Hmm. You know, there are a couple other stocking stuffers that aren't actually mentioned but are extracted from what is. And two of them are the innkeeper and the stable. How many, how many, many, many children's plays have focused on the innkeeper? Hey, you know, Mary and Joseph come up and they greet the innkeeper. I see the heads nod. I remember when the kids were little. You know, that's a, that's a great kids, uh, kids play at Christmas time, a skit there at church. And the conversation between the innkeeper and him telling him there's no room in the inn and the whole thing there centered on the idea that you know, it's interesting, because of the census, there wasn't any room because the rooms were already filled up because all the people in town for the census. And so he offers them the stable out back. Check this out. All of this comes from, from a very simple, simple one verse of Scripture. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the in. <laughs> Pretty simple verse of scripture, isn't it? Wow. So the innkeeper's not mentioned and a stable's not mentioned. Yes, a manger is. Uh, we have a manger and no room in the inn. That's what we have. Um, so we just have to think, oh, this is interesting. We're so familiar with the innkeeper and the stable and, you know, the donkey, but all this is never actually mentioned. Yeah. You know, a manger's an eating trough, right? And so if they figure, I guess, an eating trough for animals would be normally found in the stable. So, and, and who, and there was no room. Who would have told them there was no room? It must have been the innkeeper, you know, but uh, they're never mentioned, are they? It's interesting. Speaking of a stable, stable that is included with most manger scenes, you know, you get the little crush scene. We've got one from <laughs> as older than that sock, I think, from we got passed down from my family. There's pictured on the cards and other places a stable that we might find in the Western world, but it looks a whole lot different than the ones there in the Middle East in Bethlehem, at least at that point of time at the time of Jesus' birth. At that time, a stable, rather than being a, a structure built with wood, with a, you know, a, a roof and all that, more than likely would be like a cave, either natural or uh, man-made, cut out of the stone there in the hill or 
mountain behind the, um, the inn there. Research has shown that it's much more likely to be that cave-like structure than, a, than the wooden stable that we are so familiar with because that's what we have in our culture. Alan, I'm afraid that nobody's going to come back because we're, we're saying... We're just blowing up here. Yeah, we just put dynamite to the whole Christmas story. All right, story. let's talk about stables. <laughs> they are generally not hygienic. Stables are not the most pleasant Who's ever places. been in a stable here? Anybody? Yep, yep. Yeah. Can we They're, get an amen on the not hygienic? Yeah, in terms Who? of smells and flies and other unwanted commodity. And we try to, like, make it look really pretty and hygienic and clean. Yeah. And Cows in the songs, do the droppings in there, right? You know, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. I mean, it's such a sweet, sweet song. You the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Seriously, a baby that doesn't cry? Who here got kids? Well... How many of those kids never cried? Amen. So the story that we're reading is pretty tame <laughs> and sterile, not to mention the flies and I can't say. The feces. Yeah, that. But, um, you know, we just have a quiet baby with gentle background music. And it's sugar-coated. And the reality is anything but that. It's anything but that. Okay, so we have these aspects of the Christmas story, these stocking stuffers, so to speak, some which are there and some which have kind of been placed there by imagination or hallmark or whatever. We have these aspects. So what? So what's the big deal? Why are we taking our time this morning to even focus on them? What's the point for us today? Well, on the one hand, what we see here is that God is in charge with that whole Caesar Augustus. So, you know, Augustus thought he was in charge doing the census. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> because God's in charge. Absolutely in charge. And God is in the details. God cares about the small stuff as well as the big stuff. That's because God is, these are three real churchy words, but they make sense. God is Omni, that means all. Omnipre, uh, omniscient, omniscient meaning knowing. Omnipotent, all powerful. Omnipresent, always there, always here. God knew 700, well, more than 700 years, but at 700 years, shared it through the prophet. But long before anybody else knew where this birth was going to take place, long ahead of time, knew how Joseph and Mary were going to get there, knew long before it happened, long before it happened, that the most powerful earthly leader would help fulfill this ancient prophecy that he shared with Micah 700 years before. Wow. Fulfill an ancient prophecy, bringing into the world one of the most, one whose power would dwarf any power Caesar Augustus had or thought he had. Yeah. God was and is on the throne, not Caesar, mm -hmm. nor any other earthly leader <clears throat> yesterday, today, or tomorrow. God was with them in the details then, and God is in the details now. He is in the details of your life. 
He is in the details of your story. And God knew well before we even arrived here today what we would need, what you would need, what's in your heart, what's going on. And God has everything well in hand today, just as God had everything well in hand 2,000 years ago. And all we have to do is listen and try to plug in, have this vertical relationship, and to take a, a bold stand and go where God leads us. Do what God tells us to do. Respond like God wants us to respond. Just like Mary and Joseph did and everyone else in this story. The other thing we see in these stocking stuffers this morning is that the Christ child who was born that day in Bethlehem came into the world not in the palace of Caesar Augustus, but in a stable. Because the census Augusta had ordered overcrowded the inn. You know, Life can be pretty tough at times, can it? Pretty tough. Sometimes it's downright crappy. Truth is, Jesus himself started life in a pretty crappy place. <laughs> he came to earth not to live in a palace, but to live with us right where we are. No matter how challenging no matter how tough the going might get, he spent his life right there in the stable, so to speak, where life is real, right next to you and me. Not where things are all cleaned up, all gussied up, and everything's in place, but in the middle of the mess. Right there in the yuck, right where we find ourselves all too often. He found us in the mud, but he didn't leave us there, did he? He came, he joined us in the mess, but he doesn't leave us there. He came to find us, he came to forgive us, and he came to free us so that we might find new life outside the stable. You know, the um, typical stocking stuffers, they're pretty predictable uh, each year, but sometimes <laughs> there's something different in the stocking that might not be the norm, that might be a little unpredictable. <laughs> there's some breakfast for you. And it's true in the Christmas story as well. In the midst of a world controlled by Caesar, in the midst of an 80-mile journey to register for the census, in the midst of staying in a smelly stable because the inn had no room, in the midst of all the challenges of life, we find Jesus. Right there in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the yuck, in the middle of everything, and he brings hope and he brings joy, and he brings peace, and he brings salvation to you and to me. In the midst of all those routine stocking stuffers, he brings something new, and it's new life. New life. Every single day, we can have new life in Christ. That does not get routine. That does not get boring. 
That is not ho-hum. That is awesome. It is a gift. And so are you ready to receive the gift of Jesus Christ for the first time, for the hundredth time? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, Lord. Are you ready for something new? Because God has something new for each one of us every day. Every day. It might not be something like, woo, but it could just be, wow, thank you. Are you ready to just hold out your hand and receive the wonderful gift, the something new that Jesus places in our lives each and every day? When you do, be sure to say thank you. Be sure to say thank you for the gift, the little gifts, the big gifts, and all the gifts in between. And Jesus, the greatest gift of all. Can I get an amen Amen on that? Amen. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Almighty God, wow. Who would have thought we could preach about stocking stuffers and mix it up and use scripture and see something maybe new? Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you for the opportunity to look at um, the prophecy and um, the scripture in Luke in a new way, in a fresh way. And God, most of all, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us receive him every single day. And... Um, just have our hearts connected to you. We thank you and we praise you. Glory in the highest. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Thank you.